0: Hi and welcome, my name is Frank Farrell in a small production studio here in Red Bank, New Jersey. And I'm excited to have Mike Moran with us today. Uh, I met Mike uh, at Rutgers University. We are hired to record the mini MBA courses and Mike was so kind to say yes to come down to do the very first podcast. So Mike, tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure Frank, thanks for having me here. So um, so as you said, I do uh, teach at Rutgers. Um, I've been doing that since the beginning of their mini-MBA program, which I think is about nine years now, um, and uh, before um, I was out on my own, I have my own consulting firm, uh, I worked for IBM for 30 years, uh, I, uh, I spent a lot of that time in software development, um, in IBM research doing uh, work on uh, artificial intelligence, uh, including machine learning and what they call natural language processing. Um, In the last 10 years of my IBM career, I spent most of that time at IBM.com, so I ran uh, big uh, worldwide organizations uh, around all of uh, uh, IBM's web presence, and uh, that actually launched me into what I do now. So I've written a few books on digital marketing, and uh, we work mostly with really large companies to help them uh, improve the content, and customer experience on their website. We do that with consulting. I'm also a partner in Solo Segment, which is a company that uh, helps large companies to improve the navigation and the site search on their website. I also do some work with uh, Conversion, which is a social media listening company. They do a lot of uh, really interesting work in AI around sentiment analysis and other things in Mm -hmm. social media. So I have a lot of different Irons in the fire, it keeps it keeps me busy and, and interested.
0: So I've been behind the camera at Rutgers University, absorbing your classes and learning so much. Tell me, how did you decide that you were gonna start teaching at Rutgers? How did that come about where, where you started to do that at Rutgers?
1: They found me. Okay. They tracked <laughs> you <search>. down. <laughs> they searched and they found me. Oh and, they used uh, the interwebs. They did. They used ah. the they used the intertube webs and <laughs> yeah. uh, they, uh, they they called me and uh, I think part of it was uh, my book on search marketing, mm-hmm. I think part uh, which was the only one I had out at that time. And uh, I think part of it was that uh, they were looking for people who are local in New Jersey at the time. Now they draw from a wider area. They have a lot of experts that fly in and, and do that work for them. but, uh, I think in the beginning, it's actually a success story that my marketing was actually okay, because uh, they did find me and ask me. And I think I did the very first class, uh, the opening uh, class. So, uh, and I, and nine years later, it's still fun, and uh, they're a great group to work with.
0: So we came in a few years later, started to record those classes. Yeah, and, uh, yeah they
1: didn't have any video the, or any online right. in the beginning, it was all just
0: in person. Right, now it's a lot of online learning. Yeah, so, which leads me to my questions. Uh, can you describe to me what is what is search marketing? How would you describe search marketing? I
1: think search marketing is is how you make your content attractive. So it's so search marketing is kind of the only place where customers are actually raising their hand and mm-hmm. saying, sell to me now. You know, at this moment I'm interested in exactly what you have to say. If you think about all the kinds of marketing, what's going on is that you're probably interrupting them from what they were really trying to do, right? They were reading an article and you have a display ad there. You were watching TV and there's a commercial, right? So whatever it is that you're doing, you're trying to kind of be so interesting that you kind of grab their attention. Um, With search marketing, you already have their attention. This is what they're trying to do. And so you're actually helping them figure out exactly what it is that they're trying to do at the moment.
0: Now, is that something only big companies can do or can mom and pops be involved in something like this? And tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, I think if you, I think if a website is important to your business, you need to do search marketing because it's the, it's the major way that people find websites. Um, Across the industry, big, big websites, small websites, about 70% of the traffic comes from search. And so if, if you don't think the thing that brings you 70% of your traffic is important. You probably don't need a website, right? So there are probably companies that don't need websites, but if you think you need a website, you probably need to think about search. You
0: know, as a video production company, I still run into people that say to me, well, why do I need to do that? And uh, we've done this, Frank, we've done this, our marketing for 40 years this way. Why should we change? Well, I know why they should change. And maybe you could describe to our viewers why they should absolutely change.
1: Well, um... I think if they're doing the same thing the same way they've done it for 40 years and they're happy with their growth, then maybe they don't need to change. But most companies I talk to are not happy with their growth. Most of them are lamenting that it's getting harder and harder every year. And so if you are lamenting that it's harder or you're just not happy with how fast you're growing and you're not changing, then I think you need to look in the mirror and figure out what the problem is. I mean, I, there's a lot of companies I talk to where they say, well, we're kind of a word of mouth business. So people people recommend us and then they come. And that could be true. But I think the thing that, you, that people aren't thinking about is how behavior has changed over the last 30 years. And what's really happening is, and if you think about it yourself, you'll see that this is true. If I were to recommend to you You tell me you have some kind of problem and I recommend a company to you. Thirty years ago, if I did that, the first thing you would do is call up the company. Now, if I ask you to do that, the first thing you do is Google them. You're right. And so even if you were a word of mouth company, even if that is how you get your business, your website may actually be preventing those referrals from actually following through.
0: And then I'm going to start to compare. Correct. I'm going to start to evaluate all you these bet. choices that he typically would see on the fr- the very first page of Google.
1: Correct. So you are so you have to be there to even be in the consideration set. And if they don't see you when they Google, they start to wonder whether the person who referred you actually was giving them a good tip or not. And so that's the thing to really think about, is that even if you're convinced that you're a word of mouth business, the truth is that those referrals may be, may be getting stopped because, your website doesn't look like what people are expecting to see.
0: What do you, what do you personally see the, the biggest change in digital marketing? So how would, you, how would you answer that?
1: I'd say the biggest change is that it used to be that, um, if you think about search marketing, if you had the best content, you would get traffic. And what we see starting to happen over the last probably five, maybe a little more years, is that more and more Google is kind of taking away that free traffic more and more. If you if you look on a phone, mm-hmm. you will see that if you do a search and if you look carefully on the phone, you'll see that maybe everything on that first screen on the phone is an ad. None of them are free anymore. There, if you scroll down, you'll see the free the free stuff. But if you don't scroll down, you're clicking on an ad, and you may not even realize you're clicking on an ad. And uh, that means that Google's getting companies to pay for traffic that used to be free. If you even look on a, on a desktop computer, if you measure the difference between when the first orga- where the first or organic result appears on the screen from where it was a few years ago, I think it's over a thousand pixels lower on the screen. So again, more scrolling, more digging. And so and if you think about this, it actually makes sense. So Google, despite all of its protestations over the years that they're not going to be evil, the truth is that (laughs) whether you think it's evil or not, what they're really doing is they are a public company. They need to grow. They really only have one product, and that's ads. And so what they're going to do is they're going to figure out how to get more and more people to click on the ads. Now, some people think that's evil. Some people don't. It kind of doesn't matter. What really matters is what the effect is. And the effect is that getting search traffic is actually a lot more expensive than it used to be. And if you think about what your alternatives are, you might say, OK, well, maybe search is getting expensive. So what other ways can I get traffic? Well, I can buy display ads. Well, do you know who the biggest producer is of display ads? It's Google. They bought DoubleClick. And so that's actually the biggest display network in the world. So you're not really getting away from them when you do that either. And every time people are clicking on your ad or searching, Google is getting enormous amounts of data around what it is that people are interested in, where they're going. Mm -hmm. And if you've got Google Analytics on your site, they even know which people are buying from you. And so they have tremendous amounts of information that they're wielding to try and get the absolute most money out of all of that traffic. And if you say, hey, look, all right, let me try and stay away from Google. Let me go to some other ad network. Well, if you go to other ad networks, what you're more likely to run into is ad fraud, um, and there's some studies. So, that so explain
0: show, a little bit about that. What is ad fraud? So,
1: ad fraud is that there are people who are actually either producing ads or click or pretending to click on ads that you pay for as the advertiser, that are not actual people. They're so, robots, this is like
0: like almost information warfare. You bet. In and a it, sense. And
1: there's some studies that show that maybe 60% of ad clicks are fraudulent. And so there's somebody who is putting your ad up on their site, possibly, and faking a click and collecting money from you. And there's no person there who's actually saw your ad. So, the,
0: um, so, the, so the, in a sense, the digital battleground for, for eyes is, is the internet. And it's basically, um, I'm stuck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's but that, you're going in the right direction, right? It's it's um, it, it is a market for attention, and what's happening is that there are certain big players that have kind of monopolized the mm-hmm. attention. Whether it's Google, Facebook's doing the same thing. If you think about how Facebook works, in 2016, Facebook changed its algorithm, so the kinds of things that companies share out on Facebook are very unlikely to show up in people's streams, and so. So you have to pay them to put an ad, if you're a company, to put things in streams. Same thing Google's doing, right? So Facebook's monetizing mm-hmm. the traffic that used to be free. Google's monetizing the traffic that used to be free. If you go after, try and go for alternatives, you're running into all sorts of fraud, fraudsters out there who are stealing your money in other ways. And so what's happening is that because companies have kind of grown to live on this, in this ecosystem that vies for attention, instead of somebody coming directly to you, because they know who you are, you are more likely to find they came to you through Google or through Facebook or through an ad. And so what's happening is because these companies need to keep making money and growing, they're gonna keep figuring out ways for you to pay more. And so what I think the place is that people have to start going, is they have to start putting together their web experiences so that they are so good that once people come to you, they will come back to you without going through the intermediaries. I mean, if you think about this, this is what Amazon has done, and, right? And it when, you has done product, very well. yeah, when you want a product, yeah, when you want a product, do you Google for it, or are you more likely to just go straight to Amazon?
0: I go, personally. I go straight to Amazon. Many people do. Yeah. And so
1: Amazon has somehow beaten this system, right? Where Google and Facebook have taken all the traffic. They have all the attention, right? Because Amazon's experience is so good that you're just going to go straight there. And so all of us need to learn from that, right? If we can make our customer experience so good that people will come right back to us instead of going through the intermediaries, then we're going to have more loyal customers and we're going to be able to have acquired them at a
0: much lower price. So how can a small company, I'm a small company. How do yep. how do we compete for uh, visibility? How do we compete to stay relevant when somebody's just simply outspending us like our bigger companies are just simply spending the most amount of money they possibly can and raising to, rising to the top without sometimes without merit.
1: Yeah, so it's hard, right? I, I I would I would love to tell you that, you know, hey, do these three things and it'll work, but the truth is hmm. that if I could tell you do these three things and it'll work, then why couldn't everybody else do those three things, right? So, right. so, it's not a, so I'm gonna tell you what I think you should do, but it doesn't mean it's simple, right? It doesn't mean it's easy, right? What I think you need to do is you need to figure out how you're differentiated against those other companies and figure out how you're going to reach the customers you're differentiated for and the most important thing, which is what I was talking about a minute ago, is how you get them to come back directly to you because their experience was so good.
0: So what's important is is that um, once you get a client customer, it's that service, the experience that you provide for them that they'll simply not go through the process every time Correct. there's such a value that you you have given them that they're comfortable with you and they don't have to continue to go back and Who's they're the not checking as, again. They're not checking again. That's
1: exactly right. That that's the key, right? And so it's still hard to acquire them the first time.
0: Oh right? yes, it's it still is. hard. I, right? I agree, yeah. But
1: but here's the thing. If you're differentiated, like for example, like I don't know your business that well. But mm-hmm. for example, suppose based on just the work I've done with you, suppose you really know how to film these classes and you can really help a school with online education. They want to make that move. That might be a topic for several pages on your website. Talk about what the problems are, why it's harder to do than you would think, what the solutions are, how you approach it. And the
0: benefits that we're providing these colleges right now. Exactly. They, it's a huge benefit because the student is saving a tremendous amount of money being able to take the course online, getting the college credits that they need to get, yep. and they're learning when they want to learn And not so much when they have to learn, they don't have to physically go to a location and maybe also uh, pay for room and board at that location. So they're, they're basically uh, in their pajamas uh, taking a course. Exactly
1: Right. And so my suspicion is that, if and uh, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of making the the guess that you're differentiated for this, right? right? So if you're really differentiated for this, then I suspect, that you could find customers, colleges, and maybe there are even other things. Maybe there are associations, maybe there's corporate training right. program. Right There might be other things that are like colleges that are trying to do this too that could find your content that you're not going to be outspent by some big video production studio who more focuses on events or they focus on... Uh, commercials or they focus on um, internal corporate communications of executives or some other use of video
0: right because our our niche market we're going after pharmaceutical as well as the as well as the educational market we're not trying to uh, basically cover everything we're niche marketing and we've we've gained uh, momentum in those markets, but you, as I said before, when somebody just does a huge ad spend, they're just back at the top again.
1: But they're not going to be back at the top for online course videos. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're specific enough, it's something that's too small a niche for them to really be going after. And that's where you find your customers, right? So not only do you have a better chance of being at the top, but when they check your site out, you're gonna have content that's very specific to that.
0: And relevant to that. You're gonna
1: have testimonials from other colleges or or corporate training programs that used you, and that's gonna be very credible, and that's what's gonna cause them to actually follow through and call you. And then, because you're differentiated for it, Mm -hmm. once you deliver the service, people are more likely to recommend you because you did a good job. And when they recommend you, what's gonna happen? Those people are gonna Google you, those people are gonna go to your site, they're gonna see all the same stuff, they're gonna hire you too, right? So it becomes this thing of you really creating almost a brand for yourself, right? Where you're differentiated for certain things that you're really good at. And so not only will your current customers hire you more, but they'll recommend you because it's your best work. So you
0: go from an order taker to an expert in that field, basically. Correct.
1: You're going to be helping them solve this problem. So it's always about them, right? It's Mm. always about what their problem is and how you solve it, right? I mean, a lot of times the mistake I see in marketing is that the companies want to be the hero of the story. We're the hero, we're the ones who do this for you. Right. You're not the hero, your customer's the hero, right? And you're just you're just kind of the Sherpa, you know? You're the person who's just, have seen this before, you've done it before, you're right. gonna be yep. at their side and help them do it, and you're gonna give them the glory, right, and that's really what the focus is.
0: So one of the questions I have here is, uh, how can marketers continue to find return on investment?
1: Um, I think a lot of it is, is with the things we just kind of figured out, right, is that you're going to get return, I mean, you, you hear this all the time, right? You hear people say, you know, it's a lot easier to sell more stuff to an existing customer than to get a new customer. Yes. But where do you see people following through on that, right? Are they really so laser focused on the customer experience that they're making sure that every time we do work with a client, they come back? Are they checking that? Are they monitoring that? If something goes wrong, are they jump, falling all over themselves to fix it? Are they, if the, even if the client makes a mistake, are they trying to figure out how to overcome that mistake and not be complaining about it? Or, right, are you doing all the things you need to do to sell more to that customer? Right? And that's where you're going to get return on investment because all the problems that we talked about a few minutes mm-hmm. ago are about acquiring new customers. None of them are about getting your existing customers to come back. None of them are about getting your existing customers to refer you. Right? And that's where you're gonna get the ROI. When you can get the new customers to be acquired, when you can get traffic to your website where you're not paying the toll keepers like Google and Facebook and the ad companies. You're not having to pay. And this is all what this exactly this is exactly in.
0: what I wrote here. How can marketers win back the audience that Google owns?
1: Well, and, and a lot of it is about branding, right? It's about really having, and people usually think that branding is not uh, something that small companies do, but mm-hmm. it absolutely is. I mean, even, even my solo company, I think of myself as having a brand, you know, where people know that, they're, that I understand the technology of this stuff really deeply. I understand the analytics, I'm mm-hmm. you know, the AI part of it. I work with large companies, right? So uh, I mostly work with B2B companies. And a lot of people are afraid to like be so specific, of here are the things we're great at. But the problem is that if you're not, then when someone comes to your site who's really perfect for you, they can't tell. Because you do everything. Yeah, I do yep. this, I do that, oh, oh, you want that? Sure, I got that, right? And that's
0: been me, that's been this company for a long Most time. Most companies I'm trying to be like everything that. to everybody and please everybody, yeah. and you, you can't possibly do it all and be good at all of it. So we started to niche down and drill down into what the markets that we that we enjoy doing business with, and that is pharmaceutical, education, yeah. manufacturing, yeah. and we've excelled in it. We finally, kind of, granularly got into those niche markets, and our businesses has taken off.
1: Th- that's the secret, right? I mean. And, you know, of successful businesses like yours, I talk to people and they say, yeah, you know, I started out you know, like being all things to all people. Right. And, you know, nobody, you know, I, it was really hard, right? And what, and what I've learned over the years. And so, I mean, so the simple lesson is don't let it take over the years, just listen to it. Now it takes bravery. Because especially when you're first starting out, you feel like you, you want to say you're everything because, you, you know, in case anybody I could possibly ever help has a nickel, I want to get that nickel, right? right? And so the problem, though, is that uh, you have to make the separation between marketing and sales, right? If someone comes to you and they want to pay you to do something that maybe isn't your best thing, but you think you could do a credible job of it, cash the check. Nobody's stopping you, right. but that's not how you market yourself. You don't market yourself as doing seventy-nine different things. You pick the three or four that you're really, really good at, and you focus on that because that's really what's going to cause people to come back. That's what's you're going to have the testimonials around those three or four things. You're going to have the. Um, you're going to have the the customer recommendations. You're going to have all of the kinds of things that uh, people are looking for that mm-hmm. gives you credibility as someone who's done this before, and that's what's going to make your marketing work.
0: So um, how can marketers make use of data so that they can improve their customer experience?
1: So I think that the thing people overlook a lot is that everybody's got analytics systems, but nobody really does anything with them.
0: I don't do anything with it. I, I get all this information. I look at it and go, OK, I'm so busy. I don't have time to look at that. But I have the information right in front of me.
1: Right. And so the real question is, if you think about um, some of the things you do, you are probably, when you work with clients, always thinking about some new and better way to deliver your service. And you're asking them questions about whether something worked or didn't work, is this a new thing we're trying, how do you like it, right? You should think about your marketing as being the same thing. Hmm except the the questions are being answered with the numbers so we changed that webpage did it get better or worse how many times do people even uh, i mean how many times do people even do a b testing right where you know just think about it i mean if you just tried two different possibilities one's got to be better but what are the chances are that that was the one you picked right and and the truth is you could be testing 20 different things right and so if it's really important to you that people really get a good impression of your website and that they really find what they're looking for, then you want to figure out which content is really working and how can I do more content like that? How can I do more things that cause people to really choose us?
0: So is this like like it, as, like trial and error? It, it, would you it say? Is. It, oh, it is. It
1: is. It is. Now, you'd like to feel like you're smarter well, than bit, that. A little
0: bit frustrating.
1: I, but, well, <laughs> but you know what? The, the error part is frustrating. But what, what should frustrate you even more is if you don't try and you just leave everything alone. To chance. Because you know it's not getting better.
0: It's definitely not right? getting if better. You, if
1: you at least try stuff and see right. some of them in errors, well, some of them were hits, right? And so let's do more of those, right? So if, you're, if you want to keep improving your delivery, which everybody does, mm-hmm. you should want to keep improving your marketing too for the same reason.
0: I've never had to work so hard to, to, get, to get business. Years ago, you put your sign on the front lawn, you put your name in the phone book, you did a little bit of advertising, the phone ran off the hook. Now I spend, I would say, 60% of my time working to get the work. Is it going to continue like that? How do you see the future uh, of that type of… Uh...
1: I don't think it can keep getting worse because eventually you run out of time you know when you yeah. spe- if you're spending I feel 100- like I'm running out of time. Now. If you feel like if you're spending 100% yeah. of your time getting the work, that's a really short amount of time you'll be able to retain that, right? right? And so I think right. what's going to happen is that is that people are gradually going to start to understand that uh, focusing on your existing customers and getting more out of them is really the place you have to go. Helping your customers refer you. So I like, do like Focusing on a program where you made it really easy for customers to refer you. Mm-hmm. Just even asking them, do you know anybody else who has this kind of problem? Um, or, or actually, um, there's, a, there's a paid version of LinkedIn that lets you go through other people's networks and you can actually identify all these different people you'd like to talk to. Why don't you ask them to introduce you to five specific people? because you can see that there are people that you might want to talk to, right? And you, you don't even have to make it a sales call. You could say, we're doing market research. We have a new service that we're focusing on in this industry. We, you are someone who's in the industry. We wanted to walk you through how would we do and get your feedback. Is this something that makes sense to you for the industry? Here are the ways that we do things differently than how you've seen before. Is this something that you think is something that people want or not, right? And so the worst you get out of that is you expand your network and you learn some stuff about your service. The best you get out of is a few of them raise their hand and say, boy, that's really interesting. I think we could use that. Can we talk more, right? And so there are ways to do this that don't cost a lot of money. They do cost time. But uh, they don't cost a lot of money. That can help you start to use your existing customers to get more business from them, and get more business from other people that they know. And I think as you start to do that, you maybe you'll find you don't need to be spending sixty percent of your time out there trying to find strangers, right? Maybe you can maybe you can be working more with friends and friends of friends. And I think that's gonna that's gonna give you a better return on investment.
0: We notice. Again, I keep on reflecting back to what we do in the video production business. When we take care of the client and we start making suggestions, and we, in a sense, become their agency and looking towards the future of how they should spend their marketing dollars, there's more of a solidified bond there that they're going to come back to us and use us because hey, he came up with a great idea. You're trusted advisor. He's looking out for our best interest. They're not just trying to sell me something. They're trying to advance the company. They're trying to uh, be a strategic partner in the growth of the company. So You've that's. made
1: them the hero. Right. It's about them. And they believe that you are trying to help them solve their problems. And so, of course, they're going to come back to you. I mean, with, um, with the company that I was talking about, Solo Segment, mm-hmm. um, we do consulting for large companies, not because we're trying to be a consulting company, but because we found that. In order for them to really make the best use of our software, they usually need some context, they usually need some help, they usually make, need to make some changes within their organization to really understand where, where the benefits are. Right? Because the way that technology works is actually really simple. You drop a JavaScript on the page, it looks at where people are going with the content and it starts recommending content that's working. Um, because it can tell that people are getting to where they're they're going. They're finding what they're looking for. They're progressing through the buyer journey. But in order to get to that point, you probably first need to understand we have a problem that our website experience maybe isn't so good, right? So maybe we need some kind of consulting engagement to kind of prove that to us and prove that to our executives. But you probably also need to work with the IT team because they're not going to just like drop a JavaScript from some company on their site just because somebody asked them to, right? They're going to say, hey, how do we know that you're complying with all the privacy laws? How do we know that you're not going to take our site down because your code is crap? How do we know this? How do we know that, right? So there's usually some work that has to be done in order to really make get them to see, hey, look, we understand what your job is, we know what you have to protect against. We've been through this 16 times before. Look at all the other big clients that we work with, and we'll happily walk you through all that stuff. Or we understand that you, you don't, there's no new money. You can't just walk in and say, you know, oh, you know, this is what these guys want. Let's just ta- let's just take it out of petty cash, right? It's not like that, right? You have to prove that this is something that looks like it's gonna help us. And you also have to make it look like it's not something where you're acquiring the customer to like learn 54 new things or transform the way they're organized or to right. change the, you know the personnel there because they need more skills or it has to be something easy right and so when you come to them and you say look you know tell me about what your problems are here's the advice i would give you know here's a couple of ways that video could be part of that solution then of course they're going to come back to you because because you really helped them and you gave them something that they could swallow. You gave them something that, you know, wasn't something that was this excruciating, unnatural act for them to be able to try and figure out how to take advantage
0: of. I I find a lot of times that um, old school thing is, we don't need to do that. What do we need that for? And I also noticed that when the the, uh, Internet came along, like, you know what? You know that's not going to be around, and now it's, it's obviously it's a fad, and it's not going to last. And sometimes the people who use our service for video production services to tell a unique story and their and their brand, the ones who get it, uh, embrace it and use it, and the ones who don't get it, almost don't see the value in it. They don't see how it could dramatically change their uh, increase their revenue. And it's it's sometimes it's. It's tough to explain to them um, and how to have, have them rethink because they're, they're such an old school way of thinking right. of of how they used to do things.
1: Well, and I mean, you're going to run into that. I mean, a, a lot of times we work with B two B companies, and the big problem is that they are just flat out not spending enough money on marketing. We mm-hmm. we had a client that we worked with where the average in their uh, industry was between seven and fifteen percent of revenue goes to marketing they were spending 0.5%. 05 So, you know, and it's like, we were like, look. It's surprising. You know, we were like looking at them and it's like, how do you keep your website up? I mean, right. and they're like, well, you know, we have three people and uh, this is all they do, is they keep the website up. It's like, has new content get in there? Well, we don't have a lot of new content. You know, it's mostly the same content we have every year. You know, and so you get these kinds of answers. Yeah. And the reason is because they were a B2B company and the executive leadership of the company is very old school and you know when they were cutting their teeth back in the 70s and 80s Marketing was not a place where you got revenue from. Marketing was just an expense and and there was no chief marketing officer because there was nothing C-level about any of these decisions. It's like what collateral are we going to print? You know, which trade shows are we going to? I mean, you know, some flunky can do that, right? Marketing is just an expense. You know, we have to do it because everybody does it, but that was it, right? And now all of a sudden they're seeing all this money being spent on websites and all this other stuff and they're like, you know, oh, man, marketing is this big cost now, right? And these are the same people saying the same thing about IT, right? It's like, well, you know, we never needed all these computers before, right? And so that's right, right. you know, if you would like to run your business the way you did in the 70s, you do not need any of this stuff. I don't think you're going to make any money, but that's, Mm -hmm. you know, but sure, you can go that way. And so some of it, when when you say that, uh, it makes me say, sometimes those are the people you just have to leave behind and let them fall on their face and then hope they come back when they really figure out that they a lot of them
0: don't come back
1: well that's the thing because they're 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 done
0: they're sort of like (laughs) what happened who stole my cheese
1: exactly you got it but the other thing that happened that you can do and you have to be careful not to spend too much time doing this but you can also do what's called an educational sale so if you if you it's not a mistake that you know a lot of consultants sell their sell the first thing they sell is some kind of audit or assessment or something Mm -hmm. where they come in they ask a lot of questions or they look at a lot of numbers or they do whatever their process is to kind of benchmark you against other companies in your industry and you know we do that too that's how I could quote to you that it was seven to fifteen percent in their industry and point five percent right is that right we that's the first thing we did is said uh, do you realize how little you're spending on marketing. And you're wondering why are these companies lapping you? you know, because you're not doing anything to pick up all of the new business that's out there. And so, and so the, you know, sometimes you're gonna convince them and sometimes you're not, right? And uh, so, so sometimes you have to just leave them behind and other times you have to, you can say, well, maybe if I educated them a little bit, maybe if I had enough content on my website, maybe if I had a little calculator on my website where they enter some things about their business and it tells them where they are. You know, there's all sorts of ways of doing this that are fairly low cost. But I think the thing that's that's critical is that uh, you can't you can't please everybody. You're not going to get everybody. And so the faster you can get to a no for the wrong person, Mm -hmm. the faster you can move on and go to somebody else, right? I mean, you know, if your idea of a target market is everyone with a neck, I mean, I I don't think (laughs) you're gonna get very far because you're not gonna figure out who you really need to focus on. And I I think that uh, the, the thing that is really hard is that if you're not getting enough leads, then every one of them seems like, you know, a porcelain doll, right? And you have to do anything you can to protect it and nurture it and bring it along. Well, if you can figure out ways of getting referrals, figure out more ways of getting business from existing customers, if you can figure out your content marketing, so you're actually attracting people who are really interested in what you specialize in,
0: then maybe it's easier to let some of those
1: leads go away.
0: Mike, that's awesome. We're going to take a little break. We'll be back with Mike talking about uh, what do you see coming in the future and how can we be ready for it?